I'm Caddy Diop. I'm Tefra Jemian. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! This show is sponsored by our patrons over at patreon.com. Patreon.com is an online crowdfunding resource for creators to help their consumers support the artists that they appreciate. Um, We have uh, our our Patreon account brings in enough money right now to cover our SoundCloud fees. That's really great. Uh, Special thanks to our five patrons who make that happen. That's Erica Stitchberry, Catherine Resch, Kat McGuire, Chantal Thomas, and Lizzie Tenhove. We have a goal right now of reaching $100 a month on Patreon. $100 a month would let us pay our editor what he deserves for the, like, mm, roughly at least eight hours of editing that he does for the show a month. Um, And then our hosting fees, and then the goal after that would be a to be able to pay our hosts also for participation. <laughs> yeah. So so um, just to be perfectly clear about our financial goals, I'm not going to give this extended blurb every time, but just to kind of explain Patreon a little bit. Right now we are kind of, we're not losing any money, we're not making any money, but that includes our editor who does a lot of work. So if you want to help us get to that place where we can be paying people who are really putting in work to help us, um, you can head to patreon.com. We start at a dollar a month. There are perks starting at a dollar a month. Um, one of the fun perks is you get to know in advance what we're reading like several weeks in advance and you can kind of prepare, read. You can give us notes if you want to. Um, We really are working on making this a kind of interactive, fun platform. So if you want to find out about that, head to patreon.com slash yapodcast. The link is in the show notes. This week, Tefer and I read The Sun is Also a Star by Nicola Yoon. And it is... A great book. It's a finalist for the National Book Award uh, in the U.S. And it is the story of Natasha, a Jamaican young lady, teen, who is very scientific, very rational, and who is on the eve of being deported from the U.S., where she's lived most of her life. Um, And the story of uh, Charlie. Uh, No, not Charlie. (laughs) It's not the story Not at all, Charlie. Charlie. I'm sorry. It's the story of Danny, who is a uh, young Korean man, a child of immigrants, who is a poet at heart, well, through and through, um, but who really wants to follow in what his parents expect of him because his big brother, Charlie, um, screwed up and, uh, you know, kind of destroyed the perfect son image. And it's a story that takes us through their meeting, their, they fall in love instantly within the 12 hours before um, before Natasha is slated to uh, get deported from the U.S. Taffer, how'd you like it? So when I read the the like jacket notes on this book and it was Caddy's idea to read this on the podcast and I had of course looked at it because there's been a lot of buzz around it and I had just been like because I I looked at the is a specific emotion because I read the jacket notes and I was just kind of like how is this how is she going to pull this off it's like you know a 24-hour romance between you two young adults and I was like oh nice like romance diverse cast whatever oh and by the way one of them is about to get deported and I was just kind of like 
I think that's too much. Um, and so coming into the book, this is uh, one of the first times I think on this show that I've come into a book being like, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work. Like, I really want to like it, um, but I, I don't know how it's going to work out. And it was kind of an up and down, but it really like I think ultimately this is a, a super complicated book with a lot of themes and a lot going on. And I think she pulls it off. I think ultimately it it comes together. It came together in a way I was not expecting. It really pleasantly surprised me by the end. Um, but I mean, a lot of big concepts here. Oh, yeah. yeah. We are not in light and fluffy sort of land, which is half of what I was expecting. Like, I was still like, this is a, a yeah book. Like, it's going to be it's going to be fun. It's going to be light. Mm-hmm. But this book takes these questions seriously and reminds us that, you know, being 17 is almost being an adult and being able to reason and being able to feel things very deeply. Yeah. Um, really, it, it's an ambitious book. And Absolutely. I will That's be exactly honest, the word for it. Ambitious. I struggled. Yeah. There were moments where I was reading it and I was like, I just want everything to go well. I just want everyone to be happy. Um, and look, this... While we still get sort of the fairy tale aspect of it, this book has its two feet planted firmly in the ground, which is hard because reality sucks right now, right? And the questions about fulfilling expectations and the questions about immigration and identity and, you know, feeling othered everywhere and all of that, I really... It came and reached me somewhere that I wasn't expecting to be touched, uh, emotionally speaking, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think one kind of surprising thing in this book that we don't see too often in YA, and certainly it's not a conversation we have much on this show, is adults just unambiguously letting kids down. Yeah. Uh, And there's some and I appreciate that, like, because that's that's very real. You know, we like to think that every adult has good intentions and is selflessly pursuing the good of the children in their lives and that's this simply not true absolutely um, but the the realism of that felt very stark yeah i think that's i think that's the the big surprise for me right and reading this uh sort of made me think of dave eggers um at at certain times where it's deeply personal it's mm-hmm. very like we really get into the lives of the characters uh, because the story is told really from the perspective of both Natasha and Daniel but also the other characters around them and uh, to hear about you know the 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 TSA agent who processes Natasha every time she goes in uh, to you know check her file or something like that at immigration and to see that sort of despair and and the hard times that they're living and all that and sort of remembering that although we have a love story happening, there are so many other lives that are being touched through minute interactions. Had very much of a run, Lola, run feel. Almost. Oh, I get that. Yeah, I like that. I certainly felt by the end of the book, I felt like sort of between the end of the story and the like epilogue Mm -hmm. I really felt like oh how interesting because this is a book that talks a whole lot about fate and like how things are fated to be and ultimately it felt like 
you know, you could look at that day and say all these coincidences were for these two kids to meet, or you could look at the story and say all these coincidences were to save this woman's life. And that I didn't expect. That kind of came through and I, I loved it. I found all of the discussions around sort of fate and true love very challenging. Very challenging. How so? Um, uh, I think because I, you know, I had to keep reminding myself they were teenagers. And that's not a flaw of the book. That was just a me thing. But because I have strong feelings both about the position of everything is fated to be and true love and love at first sight and you have to put love first but I also have really conflicted feelings around the like science and logic and facts first and I found both ends of that dichotomy so uncomfortable that I would find these debates and these discussions just like extremely frustrating which I think is a sign of good writing because I got kind of really sucked into it and really I really cared um absolutely I couldn't agree with you anymore it is exactly that I think we're supposed to be conflicted and there are so many moments so these characters um Natasha is uh she's a scientist right at heart she is just pure fact-based evidence-based you know everything is logical I need proof kind of a person and she starts off the book being very clear when uh, there's a great meet cute uh, in the bus it's very cute it's very adorable the first time that Daniel sees uh, Natasha I found it very endearing and you know she tells him very clearly don't fall in love with me right like just no this is not gonna happen I don't do love I am you know very rational I am I am headstrong I'm not here for the mushy And I related to that because there was a time in my life when that fit me to a T. And then on the other side, you've got Daniel, who's a poet and who is all in his emotions. And I found that that was that was really interesting Mm because usually the roles would be reversed. Yeah. And I like that it didn't fall into the sickly suite like it wasn't saccharine or anything. It was really like he is a young man who thinks with his heart. Yeah. And who wants to give this love and I think that you know there's something about you know his need to be a poet and his need to not be a scientist and all that that comes through but yeah so I found that it was very much like left side of the brain right side of the brain you know each one gets to represent one half and this reminder of you know the beauty of, of of complementarity so I think one thing that did make me uncomfortable a little bit was that I felt that Daniel's being all in his feelings and being very sort of pure and passionate led him to really violate Natasha's boundaries at several instances early in the encounter. And that really drove some of the like interactions and the love story. And that made me uncomfortable. Now, I think once they actually had some conversations and started seeing each other as people there started to be more there started to be more respecting boundaries and things like that but uh the part that really got me was when he was like telling her like I need to hear you say we're meant to be two hours after yeah. they yeah <laughs> yeah um, yeah 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 I absolutely agree mm-hmm. I think that it's challenging right because at the same time I don't know about you but I still resonated with that because okay. I get it um, I am a hopeless romantic, although I try to hide it as much as humanly possible. And there is this part where sometimes you meet someone. And like, I remember meeting meeting someone a few years ago and shaking that person's hand 
And the only thing I wanted to say was, I want to tell you all my secrets. <laughs> and I was like, this is wild and <laughs> inappropriate. But there are these moments where it's harder than, you know, it's it's it just needs to come out of you. And I, I get that it is definitely a, a violation of boundaries. And especially since, you know, her character is very headstrong from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no like, oh you know maybe there's an open door no she is who she is and that is simple mm-hmm. um which i kind of love also so yeah i get that it's challenging but i think that it's also i think it, this book is meant to make us think and as mm-hmm. a, as adults with you know complicated romantic histories it pushes us to remember those times where it was a bit more simple yeah <laughs> i think I was really excited that I was reading this book with you because um, I know that you're, you know, a romantic who really like has feelings and believes in feelings and and has this really like positive experience with romance, I think, or expresses a positive uh, attitude around romance. The latter, not the former. Okay, (laughs) you you believe in it. Yes. And I am much more reserved romantically, which took me a long time to recognize because I am a poet and I am an artist and I um, am very in my feelings. I, I really like I'm not a logic scientist. I believe in woo woo and I but for me personally experiences of romance are really few and far between. And so like in the scene where they're kissing for the first time and they're like this is amazing. No kiss like this has ever been. It must be meant to be. I'm just kind of like but you can just enjoy chemistry like you can just be like I'm having this insane hot day of chemistry with somebody and like accept that it's one day and it doesn't for me it was like it doesn't make it less absolutely it doesn't make those feelings less pure or less noble for it to be intense chemistry and not love but again perhaps I am expecting too much from 17 year olds I Um, think you can expect a lot from 17 year olds and you know, I, I love those moments because I also agree that, like, yes, lust, love, very different things. Mm-hmm. I'm 35 and I still struggle to figure out the difference between the two. And but sometimes basking in a moment is OK. Yeah. And I found that that was something that was masterfully done in this book mm-hmm. was the ability to take very small moments and make them very, very weighted, very, Mm -hmm. like, with a ton of gravitas. Like, you read that passage and you're just like, yep, this kiss was a kiss that changed the world for these two people. And regardless of what happens later on, it's okay. They're going to live in this moment and they're forever going to remember it. And they might never see each other again, Mm -hmm. although they do. Yeah, I guess that's it. For me, that like a good kiss can be life changing, even if it doesn't live to lead to a lifelong relationship. Yeah. You know, a good kiss can make you realize that you've only had bad kisses. A good kiss can make you understand something about what you like, or you know, give you some self knowledge that's important. And it doesn't have to be tied to a relationship for that to be good. And ultimately, I feel like that book did. This book did have that. Yeah. Um, but at the time, I was kind of like, like I said, this was an up, a t- up and down ride. And ultimately, I think that was a sign of, of really good writing. But I remember at that moment being like, I really need this to not just be 
happily ever after yeah if I'm gonna if I'm gonna buy into it fully if I'm gonna really invest myself I need there to be something I recognize oh I completely understand that yeah I think it's funny the more we talk about it the more I realize how how good this book is Um, because these are really complicated feelings and nothing is served to you on a on a on a silver platter in this book because there's still this you know these looming deadlines and issues and problems that are that are lingering behind whether it's family issues whether it's self-confidence issues whether it's you know you name it I find that there's always something lurking in the backgrounds that could you know threaten to unravel the moment yeah I will say like when I look back on my teen years the like really kind of transformative the ones that the experiences I look back on as like these were the unambiguously positive um, romantic sexual forays both had deadlines both had the like we know this isn't forever we know this is short both had like mutual respect and good chemistry and like they were both sort of right after I graduated high school I had this brief fleeting beautiful period of being okay with having flings um if either of those partners are listening I think you probably know who you are but thanks it was great Uh, just got wrapped up in nostalgia and forgot where I was headed with this point it's just like of a good book that's that's the sign of a good book and I feel like I got this in the past in the past 10 days I've had this moment um, twice I was reading this and also had a moment where I thought about just like the beauty of just letting yourself fall in love with someone over one day even though you'll never see them again and I had it also while watching I watched the movie call me by your name for the first Mm -hmm. time and it sucked me into exactly this same vibe of like just the innocence of young love and the naivete that we have in those first times where we let ourselves open up and just the depth that can be reached with all those feelings and all those emotions and the pain and how hard it is it's hard they spend one day together and it is a challenge it is not constantly easy yes there's there's romance and loveliness but there's deep conversations about you know about suicide about 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 hard moments about pressure and all that and those that accelerated kind of insta romance is it's it's charming and challenging because it happens to us outside of a romantic context as well right like you you meet someone at a party at a dinner party whatever and you fall in love with them Mm -hmm. you might never see them again but you just have this moment of like just crazy shared vulnerability yeah right and then you get a little vulnerability hangover the next day oh my god oh my god what did i do so yeah. yeah yeah the more we talk about this the more i'm realizing just how good of a book this is it sneaks up on you eh absolutely it sneaks up on you absolutely. how did you feel about the format with the like little essays nuggets different stories kind of scattered throughout i quite liked it i found that it kept it light uh had some issues with natasha at times just because i think she reminded me a lot of myself at certain periods of my life and I just kind of wanted to shake her a little bit and be like there are so many shades of gray and science can't explain everything um 
so it was nice to get that breather. Mm-hmm. And then the dual perspectives of Daniel and Natasha were great. Uh, yes. Because yeah. to be able to see the same sort of event from two different uh, sets of eyes and, and, and values and, and thought processes was that was very masterfully done. I loved the side characters. Oh, I loved the side characters. What a wonderful idea to be able to look at this and say, okay, we've got... I mean, a straight-up love story, right? Complications are not straight-up love, love story. But what are the impacts that that day has on other people? And even if you're getting tidbits, those tidbits sort of feed a certain hope um, throughout the book. And I really, I those characters just, I would have taken more of them or, yeah. you know, yeah. like, I, I really appreciate oh, that. Oh, every time there was a side character, I'd be like, are we going to get their story? Yes. Yeah. I One thing I just loved was that very early in the book, we meet Daniel's brother, Charlie, and the side story is just like, Charlie is, in fact, an asshole <laughs> and will remain an asshole his entire life. He'll be nice once. Yeah, he does one good thing, and the rest of his life, he is just a self-serving asshole, and that is just who he is. There you go. And there was something, like, I, I love that this book that Nicola Yoon was fine with being like, some people are just dicks. Because some, it's yeah. true. Some people are just selfish. Yeah. There's um, one in every family. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, it was it was so good. Yeah. That was really fun. I thought that character, you know, a character that has no redeeming qualities is so easy to hate. But I actually have a lot of empathy for Charlie at times. Like, he's a jerk. Yeah, Don't yeah, get me yeah, wrong. Yeah. But I was like, ah, he's stuck in a machine. There's something bigger than him operating, right? There's there's internalized racism. There's there's so much, like, let's blame capitalism and the patriarchy kind of thing. <laughs> you know, just that's always a good knee-jerk reaction. I love it. I'm definitely here for it. Mm-hmm. I stand for it. <laughs> um, how do you feel about uh, the insta-romance? I struggle with insta romance, um, but the more this this conversation we just had actually really helped me with this. I think a little bit because my the issue I have with insta romance usually is this idea that you can meet somebody and in twenty four hours know you want to like spend the whole journey of your life with them, and that's the element I have a lot of trouble with. But when we talk about it as the positivity of falling in love with someone or having instant chemistry with someone or really having that deep, deep connection with someone and understanding that that can be positive in and of itself, even if it doesn't lead to spending the whole journey of your life next to them, then I I flip from feeling negative about it to feeling positive about Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, I understand that. Um, I think, I mean, for me, I haven't experienced love at first sight but I have certainly experienced that kind of chemistry and connection at first sight and I've experienced that spending all night talking with somebody and then ultimately realizing I mean I spent like all of high school going back and forth with somebody who I had that connection with before ultimately realizing like no we're not good for each other when we try to do more than a day like (laughs) you need to kind of um so when I look at it sort of through that lens but I think for me the idea of love is so married to this (laughs) haha word choice married to this idea of marriage right yes that um that I needed to work a little bit to kind of untangle that uh mm-hmm. and the conversation we just had helped with that oh that makes me really happy I love 
I love the idea of InstaLove, and I'm the product of InstaLove. My parents met. Yeah, my parents met, and it was sort of a fluke and, you know, one of those things where they had circled around one another and then saw each other, and both of them sort of heard their brain go, oh, there's your person. Oh, my God. Yeah, my parents got married on a whim. Oh, my My dad went, hey, you want to get married? My mom went, you won't do it. And they got married that very day. How? When had they met? They had met three months before two three months before yeah oh my god that happened to one of my sisters and like they I mean they were together for a few months and got engaged and got married and like they're 10 years strong like that's it my parents stayed married until my dad passed and like my mom gave my dad a kidney and it was sort of one of those things that's almost written in the stars where you Mm -hmm. go like oh wow we were so meant to be together that even our bodies are connected enough Mm -hmm. that I can donate part of it to you um so I always grew up with this 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 longing for insta love and I've I've felt it a few times where I've met people and I've been like oh I could fall in love with you right this second. I also feel that way about Lynn Manuel Miranda, but that's another story. And um, <laughs> he really needs to call you, Lynn Manuel. Please call me. I just want to be friends. <laughs> I just want to hang. Um, no, but that's it. So I believe that there's something, there's something magical, and I feel like we're in this sort of beat where we try to manufacture magic, right? Like I see people with crystals and 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 burning all sorts of plants and stuff. And while that's that's great, and I believe in ritual and its importance, I also believe in being able to observe the little moments of magic and connection. And those are precious. And it's like we don't allow ourselves to put the folk the emphasis on it enough like we go like oh I had this wonderful moment but like whatever like I can't overthink it because blah 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 um we have this feeling that we're supposed to like sort of slap ourselves on the hand and just like wake up from this dream but I've always wanted it and and now that you know I'm I'm very fortunate I am head over heels in love with my partner um it really gives me an opportunity to bask in that and yeah, there are days where, you know, our love is very almost platonic, like, you know, we're just chit-chatting all day and hanging out and all that. And there are days where it's completely over the top bursts of like, I just want to cry out of nowhere because I love you so much and all that. So, you know, insta-love is, insta-love is beautiful, I find. Yeah. Especially when it's treated with respect. I think that that's the thing also is when it's not cheapened. Right. Like sometimes you see it and it's done in a way where it's like they saw each other and then like everything slowed down and there's fireworks and it's like a Sailor Moon transition thing. And like that's too much. Mm -hmm. Sometimes really bringing it back to the body, bringing it back to to memories, kind of in a Proustian way. Or um, have you ever seen Richard Linklater's movies uh, Before Sunset and Before Sunrise? I haven't. Excellent. Very much the same style of format. It's a one-day conversation mm-hmm. between two people who are falling in love. And that, to me, works mm-hmm. for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, my partner is the first experience I ever had of that kind of, like, spark turning into something longstanding. And it's really different. Um, and it's exciting. He's Well, I'm speaking for him now, so... <laughs> if I get this wrong well <laughs> but he he says he kind of had that the first time he saw me was like was like oh that person 
I was nine months pregnant. It was literally a month before I had my baby. Um, and so he said, like, his first his first reaction was like, whoa. And then his second reaction is like, very pregnant, probably not single. <laughs> <laughs> and so then we, because of that, like, developed a friendship yeah. instead and had several years of friendship. But then... When we finally got together, it was like a very, um, I sort of realized it all at once, all of these things that I had been putting to the side because we were friends and, you know, I was dealing with other things and it's very nice. That's all. Just hearing, nice. hearing you talk about your partner made me want to talk about my partner. Yes. <laughs> Yay, partners. Yeah. I'm finally not single. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm totally projecting it everywhere it's like hello world finally not single definitely yeah you really gotta like revamp your brand yep yeah yeah (sighs) caddy the person in love that's it we've done it it suits you thank you Mm -hmm. um yeah uh, format wise we did not uh incorporate (laughs) how what what am i trying to say caddy use english words um we didn't consume these books the same way i read the paperback and you listened to the audiobook. I did. Um, resentfully. I, I don't like listening to audiobooks, um, but with the app of choice, a lot of new releases are only in audiobook form. They are not on um, ebook. I think probably because it's a, like primarily a phone app and mostly people want to listen to audiobooks if they're yeah. consuming through their phone. Um, and I listen to a lot more audiobooks than I like to lately because I have children and it makes it easier. But... Um, I have never really loved audiobooks. Like, they're not my consumer choice. I would much rather have a book, paper book. If you want to support us in being able to get our hands on actual copies of books, visit patreon.com slash the podcast. Just yeah podcast, no the. Anyway, um, we actually also have a donate a book option that you can hit us up for. That sounds like fun. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to make that into a uh, money Surprise grab. ad. <laughs> Surprise <laughs> ad. Um, I just didn't have, my library has mostly French books. I didn't have access to this uh, in paperback form. And I find that with audiobooks, it's really hit and miss because it either really does a lot for it. Like the, um, with The Fire on High, the audiobook was fantastic and I loved it and it like really added to the experience, I think. This one was a little bit trickier, I think possibly because there were a lot of accents. Oh. They gave people accents a lot and the um, the actors were like, for the most part, the nationality of the accents they were doing. So it wasn't like a gross thing, but like I just... I felt like there was too much going on in it, and it made it, I think, a little harder for me to really get into it. Mm, that's interesting. Um, that's really interesting. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it definitely makes it much more... You have to invest a bit more, I think, cerebrally, and it's already a it's already a book that makes you think as you read it. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. I can imagine how even just navigating between different voices and kind of having that recognition moment and all that might be a bit of a... I think part of it also was the narrator who did the like um, interspersed chapters was a man and uh, while he had a really really beautiful voice he had a great voice I would get really ruffled about like a man giving me these explanatory chapters I think it just made me have like a little bit 
he was like he was like kind of a middle-aged like slow voiced <laughs> like really really almost a Morgan Freeman voice um so beautiful voice but I would just be kind of like stop telling me how the universe works <laughs> I know how feelings work. Don't mansplain feelings to me, please, book. Exactly. And that was just, I found that like a lot of the engagement I was having with the book was actually with its format as an audio book rather than with the book itself. And I kind of had to do some like extra work of thinking and disentangling and being like, okay, no, my issue is with... um, this particular thing that's really just a me thing it's not even an audiobook thing I'm waving my hands a lot today. no it's I cool have a lot I of like feelings it. and I'm Italian I sort of wish yeah. that we were filming this I think the the, the listeners would get a kick out a of... lot of podcasts do that mm. as extra content content so maybe you never know maybe if we get um a patreon spot <laughs> holy moly <laughs> it's like a telethon here <laughs> Now, that is like a thing we could do eventually once I know how to video edit, which I will after I go to school this fall. Sounds great. Um, this uh, The Sun is also a star recently came out as a movie. I watched the previews and it looks really cute. I definitely have a hesitation to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like it was done with a lot of sensitivity. However, like I said earlier, not a fan of Insta Love being made too saccharine. I feel like uh, translating this onto screen with like a bit of a blue filter, yeah, um, and people who are maybe too beautiful, um, yeah. just. I feel like it just barely worked as a book, yeah. and it worked as a book because Nicolayun is a very good author. Heck yeah. Um, and yeah, I can see how it would be really difficult to translate it. And I don't. I think there are so many good conversations in this book, and so many. Yeah, back and it's good back and forth, and I think that there are certain parts that, you know, while I'm sure that the adaptation was very well done, sometimes when you read a book, you just go like, I don't want to lose any of these details, right? I had that same issue with Harry Potter, even mm-hmm. though I thoroughly enjoy the movies, I still go back to the books every year because I want all the details. I want every little thing that creates this universe for me. So that's a it's a strange feeling to look at a preview and be like eh, I think I'm just gonna like keep the memory of the book imprinted in my little heart and brain and leave it at that something Hannah and I have done in the past which maybe would be a thing to do um sometimes what we do when we have that is we watch the movie and then we talk about it mm-hmm. we do like an episode talking about it contrasted with the book uh but I feel the same way like she and I have very different opinions on movie adaptations because I want every detail and if they miss even a little detail I'm just like well this is garbage and they didn't do their job and Hannah's much more able to be like well it's a different medium and you know you do different adaptations and I've been kind of working on that in myself because Mm -hmm. I grew up very much a kid with books and not with movies and just kind of even getting used to film format was hard for me but yeah I I always like when I come to a movie I usually come away being like well they didn't put in this scene and like I love that scene and I miss that scene or like this character didn't look the way like I looked up the film adaptation and I saw like they changed the character of the lawyer a little bit and I was like you know, I don't know what they've done with that. Maybe they've done something great with that. But I was just kind of like, you can't just change his name. <laughs> yeah, stick to the story, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely understand. It's very particular. 
I'm very choosy with my books to movies. Yeah. And then every once in a while I'll see a film first and then I'm like, I can't read the book now because I'm just going to get upset with the book or I'm going to read too much and like diagonally through it. And I am still uh, mad at the movie adaptation of Time Traveler's Wife. <laughs> they did everything wrong. Wow. Every single thing they could possibly do wrong, they did wrong. Wow. And I am, I remain angry. Okay. <laughs> I, oh boy. I'm excited. Uh, we are going to have to have an, a serious conversation about this because I don't particularly love either the book or the movie. <laughs> I went through a period in my life of, of really loving the book and reading it a million times, and I think I can't get away from that. Okay. Like, I've read criticisms of the book that I'm like, yes, I see all of that. And then, you know, I don't, I don't care. I go back. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. There's a part of me that, um, so to come back to The Sun is Also a Star by Nicola Yoon, there's a part of me that wonders a little bit about very adult themes um, in a young adult context, right? There, I mean, talking about deportation and immigration already, like, I think we'd be foolish to think that these are not things that, that teens are thinking about. Um, but I'm very impressed by... Um, uh, just the ability to not take your reader for an idiot, right? Like, as an adult reading this, I was like, I'm learning things. Obviously, this happens in the U.S., so it's not a judicial system that I understand, but, well, that I understand that fully. And, um, but I like that, I like pushing youth to think a bit further. And this is the kind of thing where, you know, just thinking about poetry, thinking about softness, thinking about the universe and sort of the mythology behind it and, uh, you know, looking at things like quantum and including that in a book uh, for teens is, I, I really, I, I want to applaud that. I want to take a second just to like note that like tough subjects didn't back away from anything. Heck, even went on and added more <laughs> as the book went through. Yeah, that's one thing I thought a lot was it's a very smart book. Yes. It's, it's uh, yeah, there's a lot there. Yes. Um, one little kind of smart element that I loved was that the one play that her father, the failed resentful actor, does is A Raisin in the Sun. Yes. And that just brought up for me Langston Hughes's poem, A Raisin in the Sun, What Happens to a Dream Deferred. Um, and so much of this book is about dreams deferred. And the different things that happen with dreams deferred, depending on the person and the situation. Mm. Um, and, you know, she never addresses that. She just she just kind of slips it in there. Um, and I appreciated that detail so much. Mm -hmm. It's uh, done with a lot of finesse. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. This is maybe a thing I should have introduced at the beginning of this episode. Do you believe in fate? Oh, that's a complicated question. Do you want to talk for another hour? <laughs> I mean, I could. <laughs> I definitely believe in the concept of fate, but the notion of free will is one that is so important to my personal and family history. Mm -hmm. However, I believe in the coexistence of these things. Um, I feel like they interweave into something maybe a bit more tangible. I think that there are certain things that are driven by fate. And I think that we 
also determine our own fates. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Sorry, I feel like I stretched a muscle in my brain. Um, But yeah, I, yes, I do. I do believe in fate to a certain extent, in a certain measure. How about you? It's honestly a question that I have wrestled with quite a lot through my whole life because I grew up Calvinist and Calvinists believe everything is predetermined. God has mapped out your entire life from the time you were born. Um, But then you also have free will. It's this kind of complicated, like, it's like uh, God is outside of time, so you make your choices, but God knows what all those choices are going to be and knows what the outcome is going to be. And that certainly sticks with me, this idea that, like, everything is foreknown kind of but I still have free will um although I'm certainly not a Calvinist (laughs) um but yeah this book made me kind of think about that again and be like I don't I used to just be able to be like yep I believe absolutely this this and this about fate and I'm kind of like hmm but I I'm not like I'm not totally sure that time binds every element of the universe Hmm. I believe it's like a very obviously one of the most relevant factors to life on earth (laughs) Um, but like there's a part of me that that certainly believes that like there are elements that are outside of time and in that respect like fate is set because time is not necessarily like the future is not necessarily open-ended. No, agreed. Uh huh. These agreed. are one of these are these things that I would think about as a teenager, and then I tell people, yeah, I would think about this as a teenager, and they'd be like, so you were a stoner, and I'll be like, well, no, I didn't take any drugs. I'm just, <laughs> I just think about big things. And I think that those are, I mean, those are the conversations that I find that we don't have enough these days, right? right? Like, mm-hmm. I think it's important to wonder and to know mm-hmm. where people people what people think because I find that those are the thoughts that can be the most influenced and that develop and I actually feel more comfort in the ability to think about the gray zone than Mm -hmm. I do about like either the yes or no answer to that question I find a lot more yeah a, a lot more comfort a lot more just inner peace you know I feel the same way about like I don't know thoughts on God like mm-hmm. I don't know that there's a God I've never known mm-hmm. um, but you know, it doesn't keep me up at night. Just yeah. knowing that there might and that there might not actually brings me a lot of a lot of calmness. Right? Yeah. Not knowing is great. I I um I really like what I know of Quaker theology, which is limited and somebody who's an actual Quaker listening to this, feel free to message me and tell me what I get wrong. But as I understand it, a large part of Quaker theology is sort of um there is God or like divine we don't have the ability to totally understand the importance is like they don't have teachings on the afterlife they don't have teachings on strong opinions on like creation it's very much about like your everyday how do you treat others how do you find your inner light and um you know respect the inner light of others and I really like that Hmm. sort of like that's I think that's the sort of agnostic I am and that it's like I believe there's a whole lot we don't understand. I think no matter if you believe in science or God or anything in between, I think everybody is agreed on the fact that there's a whole lot we don't understand. And we can still make decisions about morality and ethics and how we live our lives without understanding every element. That is very nicely put. I like that a lot, actually. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Look at you. 
So these are the kind of things this book brings up. <laughs> <laughs> and here we were like, oh, it's going to be a summer of light, frou-frou reading. And then the sun is also a star came and whacked us in the face and brought us back to philosophical thoughts. The and sun is also a star is the summer fling that like turns out to be true love. <sighs> it's like a Lloyd Dobler. Say anything. John Cusack holding a boombox. Okay. Blasting in your eyes. I haven't seen. Okay. Oh, I haven't seen I say anything. It. I know it's 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 a real like it's. Grew up Calvinist woods, no TV, but I'm working on filling in the holes. Okay, cool, 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 yeah. cool, yeah. cool. We'll make it. <laughs> anyway, we liked it. We did. Way to go, Nicolee Yoon. Yeah. Way to represent. And also, I love that. Um, by the way, the story uh, presents a Jamaican-born young lady who falls in love with a young Korean man Mm -hmm. two romantic protagonist types that we do not see a lot and who are apparently a mirror of Nicola Yoon and her husband who is Korean I looked that up and I was like I need to know I need to know yeah yep I was like "Mm, this is cute I like it it's cute cute. (laughs) oh my god we're out of time we're out of time but something I might write up something for like sort of thinking about doing little blog posts about what we don't get to talk about. Yeah. Because I feel like there's an archetype of YA, specifically male, like, protagonist hero that's come up in a few of the books we've read that's almost like a manic pixie dream boy. Yes. And he is that. (laughs) And I wanted to talk about it, and now we don't have time. So maybe, like, tweet at us. What do you think of the manic pixie dream boy? Do you think he is? Am I being unfair? Love it. Thanks for listening to Yeah. If you want to leave us feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send an email to theyapodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Yeah Podcast. And individually, I'm at Taffer Bear. And I'm at Caddy Double underscore D. If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. We have merch. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at Tee Public. I actually just got some from Tee Public. I have a Yeah Podcast phone cover love it it's real cute you can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on stitcher or apple Podcasts, and by sharing this episode with a friend please share this with your most philosophical friend this mm-hmm. week absolutely hmm. yeah special thanks to great bear for letting us use their song jenny's groove as our theme music you can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com this episode was produced by Tevera Jamian and edited by Tom Zalatni as a part of the Upford Network. You can find out all about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. We need to record a new ad for Up for Discussion. What should we tell people? Tell them we're an emotionally honest comedy podcast. Great! What does that mean? It means we're not afraid to get vulnerable, explore the human side of comedy, and try to become better people along the way. And we make poop jokes. So many poop jokes. With tons of awesome guests like Hank Green, Carrie Poppy, and Cecil Baldwin. Yeah, and poop jokes. The Up for Discussion podcast, available on the Upford Network and wherever fine podcasts are sold. Oh, hi. Um, can you wait on it? Oh, shit.
Hi, yeah, um, I'm just gonna wash my hands here. Uh, I know what you're wondering, what are you doing in my bathroom? Well, this is very easy to explain. Hold on, hold on, let me, let me just blow dry my hair here. Uh, I'm here to tell you about Lasers on the Ride podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcast. It's a mix of comedy, uh, interviews, and the existential drama that only real life can bring. Now I'm gonna go take a shower. Goodbye.